Yo, what's good, Desi Hip Hop fam? You are tuned in to the Unfiltered Podcast, live on Facebook and YouTube. I'm your host, DJ Raff, and today we have a very special episode lined up for you guys. Um, this is a special episode, a one-on-one episode that we shot uh, for a documentary series we were doing uh, two years ago. So um, it was called On the Road with DJ Raph. I was a, I was the host as well for this one. But it's a very relevant one-on-one interview with this guy right here, Lazarus, who's playing behind me. Um, so and and I really wanted to bring that back today because it's it's got a lot of relevant information about success, about struggles, about the grind, the hustle, you know, uh, the path to success. You know, as you know, Lazarus is a doctor and he's a rapper, um, and he has to balance a lot of different sides and wear a lot of different hats uh, every single day to achieve his goals. You know, he also has a family, so there's a lot of balancing going on. Uh, so I took that opportunity to go to Las Vegas where he works and lives and um, you know I wanted to like break down the way he does everything uh, and uh, we had a very valuable one-on-one conversation and I want you to watch that and have fun with it yo listen I know this isn't live but keep those comments coming you know I really appreciate those comments um, keep those comments coming let us know what you like let us know what you don't like uh, you know hit that share button Tell your friends, if you like this episode, let them know. And last but not least, I want to give a quick shout out to Applause. Applause is an amazing startup that, uh, you know, churned out during quarantine. Um, And I really support them. I really like them. And they support us uh, as well as artists around the world. Applause is a a company that helps artists um, and uh, entertainers who go live on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter or LinkedIn, they help those artists monetize their live streams. So if you're going live, stop, don't go live without applause. Go figure it, go figure it out. Go find applause. You know, they're, they're called applause.artist on Instagram and Facebook. Um, So go check it out. And hey, there's an applause link on this video too. Click on it. Click on it. All right. Enjoy this episode. I am DJ Raph. I'll see you guys next week. With every rhyme, I spit him King Solomon. Swear solemnly. Every time I make him walk, I'm raising sharp as Donovan. Brother, surrounded by these fake rappers, and I set fire to all of them. Uh, like you just released a music video for Man on a Mission. Right. It's hit a million already, right? And at the time of shooting this interview, it's at a million point two or something. Right. How do you feel about this? Um, man, I, I just feel blessed, man. I feel real blessed just to be able to have a voice that's getting out there in the, mm-hmm. in the world, you know, and I, and I really, um, you know, it's, I, I do hip hop for the, for the fans, you know, I do it for the people, I do it for the hip hop community, I do it for the Desi community, and I just want to be able to make a positive impact with the words that I use in my rhymes. Things have been so steadily climbing last year, you know, I did the records with D12, Royce, and then, uh, you know, this year we dropped the, the one with Bohemia. And uh, just steady building the momentum, you right. know, and uh, because my schedule now permits me to, you know, to work, you know, more on my music than I had in previous years when I was doing residency and things like that. Let's pull back to the past, you know, right. uh, you know, where did all this start? Like, when did it all begin? Um, man, I mean, everything kind of started uh, back, I would say, around 1999, 2000, all, okay. all up in that time, you mm-hmm. know, and that's when I was just getting out of high school and... Uh, 
you know, I, I had always been a fan of hip hop. You know, I used to listen to all the 90s rap. And, uh -huh. you know, at the time, you know, you had a, a bunch of just like today, kind of like if you were to compare it, uh, there was mainstream music and then there was the underground hip hop. And, um, you know, all I heard on the radio was the mainstream. So then when I started digging and finding records, like when I listened to the Wu-Tang, mm -hmm. I listened to Big L, you know, I found old records before me, like Rock Kim and uh big daddy kane i actually started to fall in love with the way that hip-hop it initially started mm -hmm. and the way that it was progressing and then it just it just became something i loved to listen to all through high school mm -hmm. and it was it was after i think i listened to the song triumph by the wu-tang okay that was in 97. Uh -huh. that really was one of the turning points for me because when i heard that song i was like man i wish i could do that <laughs> you know that was that that was the time when I started it, when I heard Inspector Deck and he's like and he says, you know, bomb atomically Socrates philosophies and hypotheses can't define how I be dropping these. I heard that and I was like, that's dope. Like I never heard, I never imagined that rap could be so you could use educated words the way they were using all these you know big vocabulary, but saying something with it. You know, it was uh -huh. like having a message behind it. So I was like, you know, that's that would be so cool if that's something that I was able to ever do. Now this is before I even attempted it you know right and so it built from there and you know starting after high school i went to i went to wayne state university in detroit and you know i just started practicing like i just started putting my, my own rhymes together i'd go in the basement recording with my boys and we just have this little uh tape tape deck you mm -hmm. know we would just record it on a cassette tape right and we would just like put an instrumental on in the background and we were just excited to find instrumentals on what at that time they had napster I used to see, I used to walk to class, I used to walk to organic chemistry, they walk into my biology class, and I always see this circle of rappers. Okay. And they'd always be out there rhyming and stuff like that. And then I used to think to myself, I'm like, hey man, you think you think I might be able to bust one of my rhymes that I had in my head, or, or freestyle, or, or start working on stuff? And so I, I started walking in there, and you know, I got in, and fir the first time I ever did it, I felt so out of place. Like, I'm like, yo, I can't do this. You know, I started messing up and I was doing this. People were laughing at me and stuff like that. You know, they were like, man, get out of here, man. You can't, you can't rhyme with us. Cause they was like hyenas in there, man. They were just <laughs> barking with these ill rhymes and just, you know, passing me around. Like, you know, I was just like, man, I can't, I can't hang with these guys. And then, uh, but then, but then like one time I battled somebody and it just, he said something about my race and, and stuff like that and, and and i was just like nah man i'm not gonna i'm not just gonna sit back and take that so mm -hmm. i just i started practicing my freestyle game and I, I just worked on it and worked on it and then over time i went back and and i just started to command those cyphers you know it was like mm -hmm. a, it was it was that motivation that i got i'm like nah man i gotta stand up for myself i gotta do this and uh when i started battling in the cyphers and actually started to win Right. That was a turning point for me because then I was like, yo, I'm getting good at this. Clever, crepit, clavicle, lever, spit it like Pavlov the Babylon, a baffle all your battle orders, man alone, had it thrown at any moment and alone, yeah. Criticize the using of a constitution and the institutions that we have in its excuses. Disprove this evolutionary theory that we haven't buried seven and through your am like a hawk. Shock you like ice compared to waters less dense. I turn the Nazi into African to best friend. It just became more of a hobby mm. because I'm like, hey, between, hey, when I get out of my, uh, when I get out of my gen chem class, man, I'm going straight to that cypher. I'm going to battle that dude again. That was fun, you know? Yeah. So then, uh, 
what had happened because we were downtown Detroit, um, some of the radio stations, I remember 95.5, uh, the radio stations will always be out there on campus outside and they'll be promoting various things. So one of the dudes from the radio station, uh, 95.5, saw, saw me while I was doing one of my battles. And he was like, yo, we're doing, uh, doing this Freestyle Fridays uh, on 95.5, like you should come down and battle. I had like some butterflies in my stomach. I'm like, man, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for that level of stuff, man. I know you, it's gonna be crazy up there, you know? Right. How do you, how do you manage fear? Fear, that's... Because um, all of these things that you're talking about, yeah, it starts with fear, right? I, like, you, know, okay. you always have that. Right. And then you, you have to have, overcome. You have to overcome the fear. I always have the fear. And, and the way I overcome my fear mm -hmm. is I think about my father. Okay. I think about my father and I think about my older brother because my father, every time that I ever did anything in my life and, 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 I, and I looked at all the struggles that everybody around me was going through, I always remember the stories that my father told me about the struggles he had to go through. Okay. And we're talking about back in Sargoda, Pakistan, mm -hmm. where he would tell me the struggle just to have, just to get your way to drinking some clean water or to get your way to a bathroom. Mm -hmm. Things that we take for granted, like, right. that, I mean, the things that, the things that he described to me and what he had to deal with in his life, it just made me think, wait, so you're telling me he came from this place where you're absolutely coming from worse than rock bottom places that make Compton look like they're Candyland. He's coming from there and dealing with those things and gone through all that. Right. And I'm over here scared of this. Mm. So I think of that and it, it just takes my fear and diminishes it because it's like, wait, it's in my blood. Who am I kidding? My father was able to hustle his way from Sargoda, Pakistan and land in Detroit and make, make a name for himself here. But who am I to complain about or have any kind of fear whatsoever? And similarly with my older brother, man, he's a, you know, we always got picked on growing up for, for, for being Pakistani, for being Muslim. Mm. And how did that make you feel? My brother fought them. He actually <laughs> literally fought them, like with his fists. Right. You know, so I saw that growing up. I saw that, you know, I, I saw, I see some of these other guys, uh, Desi guys, getting bullied uh, and they would actually just buckle and run away and what my brother taught me was no you don't run away you take your fist out and you bash their eyeball out <laughs> he did the actually he actually punched the kid and his eye literally came oh. out of the socket oh snap like Damn. when i saw that that also took my fear away because mm -hmm. i was like no nah, i mean i'm i come from a family a bloodline where you don't you don't get scared you mm -hmm. do what you have to do and you be fearless about it just like a kamikaze, you want to try to get face past a Trinidad and Joppy. I don't believe in peace, I'm the opposite of Gandhi, never sloppy to try to stop me. Make attempts to pop me, and I'ma shredge your ass like I was a rogue Saki, I'm a ninja. You know what, we gotta respect Lazarus's hustle. I saw him battle like five MCs for no reason. I'm just rolling up and he just started battling him. I like that, that's energy right there. This really Canuck, he looked like he belonged in a Harry Potter book. <laughs> Growing up, uh, you know, this type of bullying that you face, you know, it, it's interesting to me just because Detroit is like a very kind of diverse city, very right? Diverse. Like, it's, it's got the largest Arab population, yep. you know, full you of black people, you white got, people, you brown, everybody. daisy, just everybody, right? You got everybody in so in a city like this, what, what, do, you, what do you think, like, why, why is this happening? over there you know what why are there so many like can they just live together or is it like 9-11 happened and then it got worse or how how did how do you see that i mean i feel like um before 9-11 wasn't always necessarily that 
oh, we want to hate on them or we want to call them terrorists. But it's just that you want when you watch your Simpsons, when you watch uh, your your everyday Hollywood movie, and if you ever see a Daisy person on there, mm. it's never one of respect. And I noticed that growing up. See, if I ever had a role model that I respected, it was going to be a white guy or a black guy because those are the only people that I could see myself respecting. Whenever you see Apu in Simpsons, right. you don't look at him as a man of uh, of dignity or respect. You look at him as somebody you could laugh at. Right. Ah, look at Apu, 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 <laughs> look at Apu. And, you know, uh, what are you doing? You know, that whole thing. That became the stereotype. So then anytime I got involved in anything, that was the first thing people thought of. They thought of Apu. You know, they thought of those kind of characters and those kind of uh, TV shows or movies because those are the people that were representing our race and community in the media. Right. So when you have that stereotype as that every time you see a brown guy, you think of those things in the mainstream, then no matter how diverse your society is, you're always going to have that in your head. You know, you're always going to have those uh, those images. And particularly for me, if I'm battling somebody, they're going to pull that out because right. that's the only thing they know. Right. Right. There's no other example set. Um, and then, you know, I dealt with a lot of racism growing up, uh, you know, especially, you know, with, with, with kids not understanding my, my race, my religion, kids telling me to take the sand out my face and all sorts of things. I mean, I, I've, I've seen and been through it all now, but when 9-11 happened, it just escalated everything to the whole next level. I'm a perfectionist with everything I do in my life. So when I was doing my classes in school, it would hurt me to get an A minus in a single class. Okay. It would hurt me, literally. <laughs> I would feel pain from getting an A minus in a single class. And, uh, you know, I was like, I want to outperform everyone in the class. So all the nerds, the dudes with the big funky glasses <laughs> on, the dudes that study 24 hours a day, don't sleep. All they do is study, 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 study. I'm like, I want to outperform them uh -huh, uh -huh. in my studies. And how did you do that? <laughs> did you just study, study, study all day? Or like, what I was study. I put my focus on studying the right things. The right times i figured out how to get how to win mm. it wasn't because a lot of people they study everything right you know i focus on what i need to study you know to do to do well uh, see know? that's 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 a key right there the further i walked the more narrow the rope of my very own city became my hope when music was gold it touched your soul raised my confidence you, all your life you were in, on a path to you know become a physician and that's what inspired you um at what stage did you say that okay you know, I also like hip hop. Now, you know, I'm having so it conflicting. Was, it, it was it was there. I would I would say like going into the second or third year of university is when I started to realize that look, I'm doing well in all my classes, so I'm I'm in route to become a doctor, uh, to get into medical school, and at the same time, I am you know doing well with my music. I was selling mixtapes on campus, literally like going on a various different areas of Detroit just slanging the CDs going to different uh, clubs going to different bars going to different areas everywhere I could possibly find I had that Lazarus mixtape on me you know and I took that Lazarus mixtape with me everywhere I went and I was selling and I was finding people I was going areas and I was just walking up to people just you know and I'm like hey you want to uh, you you want to hear the illest rawest hip-hop you ever heard first thing they do they start laughing at me they're like oh wait from you <laughs> no <laughs> and uh, I'm like all right 
my boy uh, Maximus, shout out to Maximus, man. I'm going to make you remember this one right here. Maximus used to say, I got my boy Lazarus over here, and I bet you he'll rap for 30 seconds, and you're going to want to buy his mixtape. <laughs> he, he, he put me on the line. I'm like, dog, you put me on the line like that? He used to do that to people on battles, too. He said, he's like, he'll battle you right now, and if, if you lose the battle, you got to buy his mixtape. Damn. So... Smart. Yeah, so he started doing that. We started going around to random strangers all over Detroit. And we're not talking about just over at Wayne State campus now. We're talking downtown everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, we would just walk up to people and be like, okay, he's going to rap for 30 seconds. And we guarantee you that you're going to want to buy the mixtape after that. And, and that's kind of how it, how it was, man. You know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, would, I would spit my bars and it was just, it, they would... They would be looking at me like they just seen a ghost or something because they could not imagine somebody of my race, my ethnicity, rapping the way I was rapping at the time. And I saw that reaction come from people. When I saw people's eyes light up, you know, when I was doing that, that's when um, I started to realize that, look, man, if I can get 30, in 30 seconds, if I can get these people to buy my mixtape, then there's a possibility that I could push this as a career. Um, so that was the that was a state of mind that I had at that time. Um, but at the same time, now you have to understand at the same time when I was studying to be a doctor, it wasn't just, oh, hey, you have the option to go to medical school. <laughs> to people, you know, ignorant people don't realize the, the, the hard work that is required just to get into the medical school that you need to, that you want to go to, right. you know, or just to get into medical school, period. And we're talking about you busting your ass and you're getting a, a 4.0 GPA. You're taking your MCATs and you get a high score on that. Even those people are being denied, rejected by medical schools all across the country. Mm -hmm. So we're in a situation where I'm studying with 30 other people um, that all they do is study. You know, at this point in time, I'm making mixtapes, I'm rapping, and I'm studying at the same time. I'm talking to people that all they do mm -hmm. and the only thing they focus on is to study to become a doctor. All of them getting rejected from the medical schools. Out of all the people that were applying to medical schools that year, there was only two or three of the people that I used to study with, maybe like 30, 40 people that even got an acceptance. And when I found out that I was accepted into medical school, it was like, it would be the biggest crime that I'm committing on myself to deny this. Right. When there's people over here that will give the, anything for that opportunity. And that's yeah. all they've ever wanted in their whole life. Mm -hmm. And here I am conflicted that I love hip hop and I want to pursue that as a career and at the same time I just got accepted to medical school which those other 30 people I used to study with didn't get right. so my brain is telling me forget hip hop man you, you you got a chance to become a doctor yeah that, that's you got a chance to become a doctor which you know my whole life uh, I've heard my father tell me that you become a doctor you're the king of this earth that's the that's the mentality that i had and 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 the passions that i had to become that it all came out and i was like this is it this is my path this is this is my god telling me that this is the path for me i'm gonna become a physician mm -hmm. but then every day i used to get in a cypher every day <laughs> i used to get in a mixtape and i was like yeah i'll you know I, I got i got what it takes to become a doctor i did well I started getting popular on campus. You know, people started to uh, approach me and it just is crazy. And all of a sudden, like all the kids on campus be like, yo, that's that dude be rapping, man. He, he did it, he's dope, I heard him on the radio. So all of a sudden I had this kind of like influx of people who, who became interested. So what kind of a, what kind of a, 
what kind of a brain uh, fart is that for me, man? Right. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, so do I give up becoming a physician or do I give up becoming this uh, entity in hip hop? Mm-hmm. So I ended up giving up hip hop. Okay. I gave up hip hop. Start at the beginning. Imagine a boy at the age of seven, living and raised in an Armageddon, whose dream of an American ghetto is heaven. There was no telling, and no one believing that he get his visa to fly to the states. But he got more eager to hire the stakes. So we in Detroit, and there I was born in Sinai Grace. Now I'm the face of a Kunta Kinte. Strung up, hung up, struck me down. Puzzled, perplexed. So I'm like, man, so do I give up becoming a physician, or do I give up becoming this uh, entity in hip hop? Mm -hmm. So. I ended up giving up hip hop. Okay. I gave up hip hop. <laughs> and when up, was I, this? I gave Let's up, hear I gave, this. When I gave was up hip hop when uh, I, I got accepted to medical school, and there was a there was a dude that told me to like, yo, um, Gamran, you got this far doing all this hip hop that you've done, mm -hmm. but bro, do you have any idea what you're about to get into in medical school? Right. I decided it's I'm going true. to medical school. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any idea what amount of studying you have to do in medical school? The amount of time that we're talking about a place where the walls close in and talking to your family for a couple minutes on the phone is on your cannot do list. Big book, reading, 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 learning, reading, learning. And that was the time when I completely gave up rap. So it was just a, it was a past. It was like the old girl, old girlfriend I, that I adored and now she's in the past, uh -huh. you know? Something happened. I got a, I got a call from the Discovery Channel that they, oh. they found out about me from FM 98 WJOB, the big, the biggest radio station in Detroit. <clears throat> and then they were shooting a documentary called The Real 8 Mile this dude has got an interesting story they're like this guy's a he's a medical school mm -hmm. and he got a record playing on the radio right now right and he's a he's a pakistani guy they're like we, we got to go pay this guy a visit so you know they came we, we shot a documentary and that that got a lot of exposure and that got me on all a lot of the big hip-hop websites and stuff like that a lyrical animal get up on it because he, he kill him <laughs> this is lazarus his real name is cameron now, I'm a med student. You were at the class? Where what? This the class? Yeah, of course. So here I am, first year medical student, and I started working on my album, which was chapter one, The Prince Who Would Be King. And uh, this was now, we're, we're going into 2006. Uh, I had put together the whole album. We had got uh, Royce the 5'9 on there. The Prince Who Would Be King album, we dropped that in 2007. And this is in the middle of my whole studying 18 hours a day business. Mm -hmm. So I was able to put that album together rock shows in Detroit and different areas, you know, uh, promoting that album. And then we shot our, our, our music video uh, from the record sales that we got, you know, off that album. We ended up shooting Let the Game Know in 2007. That got a million views on YouTube and it just, that, that was when it was like, all right, man, you know, we, ju we just made a mark. So how did you do all of this while going through med school? at that time time management man i just uh i told myself i had to do it it, it was it was kind of like a gun was put to my head it was like nope you have to do this 
Yeah. What time do you sleep? I don't think I slept that much, man. I slept here a couple hours here, a couple hours there, man. I, I really sacrificed a lot of sleep during this time. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I'm. <laughs> I just I didn't want. I wanted to prove everybody wrong, man. Everybody told me that. You know, you cannot. I heard this word so much. I heard you cannot. And whenever I somebody tells me that something comes in, something gets fired up inside and I say, nah, I'm going to prove you wrong. And what, there were times, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to paint a picture of, oh, I'm a Superman. And I did. I had struggled so much on this journey and gone through so many moments, countless moments where I said, I'm giving this up. I'm giving up. I'm giving up. I'm giving up. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's anybody out there who has thought of giving up as much as I have. And what did you tell yourself to get out of it? Same thing. Don't fear. Remember where you come from. You want to make history with what you're doing. You're not doing this for fun. You're not doing this to make money. You're doing this to make an impact. And so don't think about yourself when you go on this journey. Think about everybody else that can be inspired by what you're doing. That's what I think about. Even till today. I don't think about myself ever this isn't about my own thing you know i get a little respect i get respect from from fellow mcs that that means that means the world to me but you know for me to be a popular figure for the sake of being popular oh he's the you know he's the hot thing of the day or you know he's the he's the justin bieber of the day that stuff doesn't mean anything to me what means something to me is the fact that i'm able to do something and use my words in a way that can motivate people in a positive way to rethink what they're doing in their life mm-hmm. you know that's what i want to try to do i want to try to because there's barriers that exist yeah. in people's thoughts and uh those yes. barriers were broken by my actions and if my actions could break barriers then your actions can break barriers too because i was always told that it's not possible for me to do a b c and d first of all they say you can't be a respected mc and be in my race mm-hmm. okay then they say you can't get into medical school and rap at the same time. Okay. Then they say, you know, every time they say I can't do something, I always try to do it. I see. And I, I leave doing it. <laughs> That's the passion that I have to do what I have to do. And I feel like that passion exists in everybody. They just hinder themselves because of what others have to say. You know? Right. All the great men of society, all the great people that ever did what they did in their life, if they just listened to the guidance of people around them, then would they get to where they are? If they didn't challenge the status quo, would they get to where they are? So what's wrong with challenging the status quo? As long as you believe it, as long as you know what, you, what you're capable of, right. what's to stop you? Right, and and you're you're so right. People have so many limiting beliefs. Like about- They limit themselves, man. They limit themselves, and, that, and that's the main... If there was one message that you could take from me, you know, if there was one message you could take from me and whatever I've done in my 17 years of, of, of doing music and, and medicine, never limit yourself. Never let anybody tell you what your limits are or what you can be. Never put yourself in a box because right now I'm trying to produce my image outside of that box because every time a record company sat down with me and told me what the box should look like and how I need to fit into that box, I always said, no, I'm going to fit outside of the box because I don't fit in that box. That box isn't for me. It might be for those guys. It might be for those guys. But don't tell me that I'm those guys and those guys. I'm me. Right. So if I don't fit into the box, then I'm going to make myself. I'm going to make the box fit into me. 
Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. And, and that's why every time people see me and I promote myself as a Desi, as a Pakistani, as a Muslim, as a doctor, as an educated person, it's always challenging these people that want to keep the status quo because they're like, no, 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 no. That's, that's going away from this, what we're trying to sell. This is going away from this won't sell, that won't sell, this won't sell. I'm like, well, you know what I know will sell to me? Being me. Right. That's what's going to sell to me because I look at it like this. If I'm sold, then I know, I know there's other people out there that, that will be sold. like you know so number one don't limit yourself um don't let anybody tell you what you what you can or what you can't do and empower yourself you know mm -hmm. empower who you are take those things that make you unique this right. is my advice to any artist that's watching this um you know yeah empower what makes you unique that's the key mm -hmm. because what's going to happen is you know everybody's going to try to say oh you know yeah, he sounds like, or he looks like, or he talks like, or he's this. Try to find that which makes you unique. That, that creates your identity. So when people think of that, they think of only you. You know, I always thought to myself that I had to conform. I have to conform in order to be, uh, you know, in order to be accepted. You know, and, and this is something I got from other people, from companies, record companies and society in general. It always used to be like, yo, Laz, I love what you're doing, the way you're spitting. Make your record like this so it can sell. Do it like this so you can sell. Add this in your video so it will sell. Um, I got that my whole career. So I used to believe that. I used to believe that this is this is what I need to do. I need to make these changes in myself in order to fit the, the status quo, you know? Right. Still stay unique, but still I gotta conform in some way. You know, I gotta, I gotta conform in some way to make myself uh, more marketable and all this other stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. So, you know, all the execs, A&Rs and stuff, the educated people of hip hop, so, so quote unquote educated people of hip hop telling me what I need to do or sound like or change change to, uh, you know, to be accepted and stuff like that. So it was always about, yeah, you're outside of the box, but fit into the box. So <laughs> if you're educated, hide it. Uh, if you're, if you're if Pakistani, hide it. Um, if you're this, hide it. Just focus on the music and conforming to the box and if people find out about those things, that's cool. And so there came a time where I felt when I rapped and I actually did not hide those things and actually empowered those things and talked mm -hmm. about those things is what made it exciting for me. Because I was like, oh, hey, you ain't never heard a rapper talk about this story. You ain't never heard a rapper say this or talk about these things. And that's what excited me to rap in the first place mm -hmm. by me expressing my story through hip hop. So I was like, well, this isn't gonna work through their uh, engine. This isn't going to work on their platform because they keep saying fit into the box. And I am I keep thinking outside of the box. Right. I had to empower myself. You mentioned a little bit about the struggles that your dad went through. And tell me a little bit about your dad. My father came to the U.S. in the, uh, in the 70s. He had about $5 in his pocket. Mm -hmm. So he came from... And having $5 in his pocket in Detroit was still 
a big, big step up from where he was coming before, <laughs> you know, in, in, uh, in the village of Sagoda that he's from. So he, he gets into America with $5. He's a janitor, um, you know, and just basically sleeping on the street, homeless. Really? Uh-huh. Okay. And that's where it's, that was the start. And then he went on to educate himself. He got a degree, got his engineering degree. Okay. You know, so that that uh, ladder that he climbed mm-hmm. was the the source of the inspiration that I had. Well, me and my brother, you know, were born and we grew up and we saw that. We always heard these stories um, that, that motivated us mm-hmm. because it told us that, you know, you could literally come from absolutely nothing. Negative, not even ground zero, negative ground and you could come from there and you could rise from it. How does your dad feel about your hip hop uh, movement What does he think about the whole thing? Well, I mean, obviously in the beginning, um, it was so foreign to, I would say any Desi parent to think that their their kid wants to do hip hop because the, the thing that he always used to say is there's no example of what you're trying to do. You're jumping off of a cliff mm-hmm. and you need to focus on what's realistic and you got to focus on studying your ass off so you can you can become somebody who, who who's guaranteed some kind of finance in this world mm-hmm. we're a minority in this country man right. nobody nobody want to give us a job you know mm-hmm. the, the only way you're going to get it is if you grab it nothing falls in your lap you got to work your ass off for it and the way things are the aspiration is to be an entertainer or a musician a rapper whatever you want to become the chances of you getting to that point are very, 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 very little. Why? Because there's no example of that. Find me. So then, then he gave me a breakdown, a percentage. Your chances of making <laughs> making it as a, as a desi, as a brown guy, as a Pakistani, in hip-hop is probably .0001. It's a breakdown. It's a mathematical breakdown. That's the logical thing. But if that's that voice that was in my head, you know, that I feel every kid has is, yeah, but I can be the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can be the first. And that voice was always shut down. Be like, nope, this is the percentage. <laughs> this is a this is the chance for a brown person to make it in America and as a rapper. Show mm-hmm. me one person who's doing it. Oh, there is none. But I can be the first. Yeah, this is your percentage. <laughs> you're oh, telling yeah. me. So you're telling me something that you're trying to do that the odds of you doing is a million to one. Would you pursue? Would you put your 110% into that? Would you rap? Yeah. <laughs> But we're that kind of people, right? Right. That's why we're doing so these shows somebody, so, so that when, they do it too. So, so when somebody tells you that your chances are 1 million to 1, yet you want to give your all, your blood, sweat, tears, your every second, of your every day, sacrifice your sleep while everybody else is comfortably resting for eight hours a night and you're not doing that because you are so focused that I can be the person to break the one million to one ratio, um, then I feel like, you know. You know what? It's probably a billion to one. <laughs> It's like a boxing fight, you know? You expect two people fighting each other. You'd be like, oh, this is a hundred to one odds. He won't win this. But after Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson, the next time Buster Douglas fought, people didn't jump to the conclusion that Buster Douglas is just going to be a bum who gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. They started thinking, of, wait, let me rethink this. It's interesting that you brought up Buster Douglas because I think about that a lot myself. When Buster Douglas fought Mike Tyson, at that time, Mike Tyson was undefeated. Yeah, unbeatable. Uh, like ne- nobody has defeated him ever and everybody was saying, nah, he's not going to win. 
and not as a professional, yeah. Right, and yeah. this guy, Buster Douglas, promised his mom. The story goes that he promised his mom that I'm going to be the first one. And then the mom told everybody, you know, like, hey, yeah, my son's going to be the first one to defeat him. But then what happened is that his mom passed away yeah. like a yeah. few days before the fight. And so he used that pain to like, to I got to win. You got to win. It's not an option. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's inspiring, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's also similar to what you said. Like every time you have fear, you think about what your dad's yeah. been through, what right. your family's been through, and how much worse it could really yeah. be. Right. So why fear? <laughs> why fear? Why fear? Why fear? You know, so, um, yeah, I always think that. My father's seen a million times worse. Why fear? But now they respect him. Gave me a voice that's no longer neglected. Now lost but protected to change the whole world on our hip hop's accepted. whack people coming out saying man how come i you know i dropped a hundred songs they ain't nobody cared about it be like drop three songs and make them all dope because mm. it's not dope man right it's not good <laughs> you're dropping you, you drop straight garbage and trying to trying to make yourself seem like the bigger artist because you drop more records quality over quantity man mm, and so that's th something that i feel like nobody can deny with me because uh you know be damned if you pick a, a whack verse out of my my, my, my track record man <laughs> i see you getting fired up a little bit here <laughs> nah, I mean, you can't i mean you can't because i put too much love into that right. um, you know and i and i'm not speaking subjectively it's objectively like i you know scientifically break down the verses that i put out you cannot you cannot deny what's there mm -hmm. what you believe sets you uh up for success is basically focusing on the right things you have to focus on the right things you have to focus on like the right platforms you have mm -hmm. to figure out what you can do to take things further because you know what I, I feel like a lot of times people they stay in the same area the same stagnant place mm -hmm. so for them it's like um you know i'm at a certain level and if i keep rapping the way that i'm rapping i'm gonna stay like this and for me i always think about new ways mm -hmm. try to be inventive what can I do to take the brand further? Right. Um, so I'm always thinking about which Level artists up. do I want to work with? You know, which collaboration do I want to do? What platform do I want to, you know, try to target? And I'm always trying to think about ways that I can increase my brand. And I think mm -hmm. that that's what people need to focus on. It's not so much I'm a dope rapper, but right. now you have to figure out how do you how do you take the music that you're making and, and reach more people? Mm -hmm. I want to do something bigger next time. I want to take it to the next level next time. Mm -hmm. You know, so I drop Man on a Mission um, independently, but the next thing they, they see me drop isn't going to be like that. It's going to be something else. Like, I'm right. always looking at ways that I can keep expanding the, the Laz Army brand. Man, you know, uh, <clears throat> I know, like, uh, in my life personally, like, every time I hit a level of success, it's like I get more addicted to it. Yeah. I yep. want more and more. Yep. So, like, when you were in med school and doing hip hop at the same time, it was like you said 18 to 20 hours or more. Per day, yeah. how many hours are you spending right now? Because I know you got a 12-hour shift, right? Right, I work 12-hour <laughs> shifts. Yeah, I work 12-hour shifts in the hospital, and then when I'm not working those 12-hour shifts, I'm. So you're still putting in still the putting 18 in the hours, right? Still doing it. Yep, still doing. Because I'm I'm over here. It's just that 
now I'm in a situation where I don't have the stress. Now that I'm board certified as a physician, I don't have to worry about exams. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about tests. Right. So I just have to put in my work and see my patients and, and take care of them, make sure they're doing well. Right. And when I'm done with that, I get to, I get to freely work on my music. So I definitely have more freedom now. It's not like I have you know mm-hmm. shackles and chains the way that I had when I was in residency in med school. Start at the beginning. Imagine a boy at the age of seven, living and raised in an Armageddon, whose dream of an American ghetto is heaven. There was no telling, and no one believing that he'd get his visa to fly to the states. But he got more eager to hire the stakes. So we in Detroit, and there I was born, and Sinai Grace. Now I'm the face of a Kunta Kinte, strung up hunger. We go at each other's heads <laughs> in the studio. So you know, there's some times where. You know, I think something needs, like I'll ask him over and over again. I'm like, hey, what about that word? What about that word? He's like, no, that word's straight. But then he'll point something else out rhythmically or something. And he'll be like, no, you got to do this one again. So we'll have to go back in the booth and we'll have to redo that particular rhythm, even though it sounded okay to me. But he was like, no, it's not connecting. The snare is not connecting with this and all this technical stuff that I'm not really into. But he helps me just master the rhythm on the delivery in the in the, in the booth. And um. So it's, it's a collaborative pro- process, man. And but at, but we both want the same thing at the end of the day. We both want perfection. So when we, we go back and we listen to the verses on repeat, we look for any micro flaw. We're not just we're just not talking about regular flaws. We're looking for micro flaws in the verse. So you have to. I want to be able to listen to the verse from the very start to the very end and not have one single hitch throughout the whole verse. And it has to sound like if I put this verse on 50 times in a row then I won't ever even think about a single flaw in it. And that, that's the process. We want, we want it to be perfection. I'm not, you know, my objective in hip hop isn't to make, you know, decent verses, good verses, great verses. I want perfection. Every time I drop a verse, I want it to represent perfection as best as possible. And working with a brother like Hugo, he really helps to nail that because he's got the ear to make every sound match up the way it needs to match with the beat and make it sound as flawless as, as it needs to sound so it's a fun process i love coming to the studio and working with this guy because i know that we're gonna walk away from the session at the end of the day with something that is gonna be part of history Every single second, every single moment during the session, your attention has to be right there. You know, it has to be, you have to be able to understand what you're doing, what you're trying to say, and be able to match that to the energy of the existing track or the existing idea, you know? Because sometimes we have songs we have, we, we have to mix what we have with other people's stuff already, you know? So we have to make sure that everything sounds like an entity, not like a separated collective experience, but us right. as, as a single punch. All right. We even took uh, the dialogue from Man on a Mission. Uh, we actually overdubbed the dialogue because it's so windy when we shot the intro sequence with Andy Davoli. So we even took that and Andy had his own file recorded in LA. And then we, I recorded my session here and then he had to, we had to match it up to sound like we're in the same place. And I crossed us. Turned out to be some dirty, filthy rats. <laughs> but that was to be expected. 
Oh man, well I mean I got we got a bunch of stuff coming out, but there's a record in particular that I'm gonna be focused on. Um yeah, I can't really drop too much deep too many details about it, but it's just gonna be something that the audience has never heard before because they're gonna literally go into my shoes when they hear that song. So, you know, whatever I'm describing in that song is me basically taking you into my world for directly like firsthand i can see lazarus does this or does that and this one you're literally in lazarus's shoes so for us to paint that picture and to do it in a way that people are going to be able to feel that um we definitely had to come together and make sure that the emotions and the and the, and the intensity that as we're describing as we're painting this picture is uh in such a way that people can literally see that when they're listening to it it's all in their head Neglecting the loss but protected to change the whole world on our hip hop's accepted. <laughs> I like it. It's dope? Yeah. You wanna do another run? Music is my medicine. That's the name of the album, but that's also what I'm trying to get also get across is my point is that music can be used in a the therapeutic sense. And that when you listen to it, no matter what situation you're in in life, the music can be a remedy to you to, to psychologically get you back on your feet. And, um, and that's and that's part of what I do. I want to make sure that you know when people listen to the music, especially the words that I'm trying to people that are you know pressed down in society, people that don't have a voice, people that feel helpless, people that feel hopeless. I want to be able to give them motivation in their life in some way and somehow. All they need to do is find the music and listen to it. And that's the purpose. I'm not in it for any. I'm not in it for the material things. I'm in it to make an impact and to affect people's lives. Let me let him start back. Hey, Hugo. Uh, where's Hugo at? Uh, start it back. All right. All right. Start at the beginning. Imagine a boy at the age of seven, living and raised in an Armageddon, whose dream of an American ghetto was heaven. There was no telling, and no one believing that he'd get his visa to fly to the States. But he got more eager to hire the stakes. So we in Detroit, and there I was born, and sign I grace. Now I'm the face of a Kunta Kinte. Strung up, hung up, struck me down. Puzzled, perplexed by my complexion. I'm white, black, but I'm brown. So minuscule, ridiculed in school, but I had to cope. Crave for dope. The further I walked, the more narrow the rope of my very own city became my hope when music was gold it touched your soul raised my confidence up to mold the bold creation of lazarus rose antagonist froze at the hand of a man from which nothing's expected who once was rejected but now they respect him gave me a voice that's no longer neglected not lost but protected to change the whole world on our hip-hop's accepted